Welcome to the book club that sure is not your, your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen and joining me as always is my mom. Hi mom, how's it going? It's going amazingly well. Amazingly well. Uh, today we are chatting about boyfriend material by Alexis Hall, but first, mom, what have you been reading and watching? Well, I did read a book, another book this week. I did not, but... I know. Yeah. I read All Scott and Bothered, which is a double, you know, it's from the W you Know series by Kerrigan Byrne. Yes. So it's the follow-up to How to... Love a Duke in 10 Days. That one. <laughs> so yeah, it's the second book in that series. And mm-hmm. it was, it was good. There's a lot of intrigue and mystery and stuff in, in those books. So it's a fun read. Yeah. I, I definitely, it's on my TBR to be sure. <laughs> Um, so we've been doing more crocheting. We have. That's been a thing that's still happening. And last time we mentioned watching I Love the 80s and Drunk History. This week we watched I Love, I Love the 70s and Drunk History. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, we did start watching Queen's Gambit. Yes, we did. We are about four episodes into the Queen's Gambit and um, I really like it a lot. It's, it's really good. She's a bit of a hot mess. but She is a bit of a hot mess, but um, it's interesting and... It is. And it's uh, well acted. I think it's well yeah. casted. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and the costume, like her dresses are um, gorgeous. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's worth the watch. I think I can safely like recommend I mean, it to most people. We don't know how it's going to end. Yeah, that's true. Um, but so far we're enjoying it. Yeah. Despite some pretty, like, heavy things that are happening on it. (laughs) It's, like, still strangely enjoyable. Um, Yeah. So that's what we've been up to. Literally, that's all we've been up to. That's all we've done. Um, Like I said, today we are chatting about Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall. It is a standalone book that came out this past July. And it is currently a semifinalist nominee for the Goodreads Choice Best Romance of 2020 as of recording this. Um, Here is the back cover description. Wanted. One fake boyfriend. Practically perfect in every way. Luke O'Donnell is tangentially and reluctantly famous. His rock star parents split when he was young and the father he's never met spent the next 20 years cruising in and out of rehab. Now that his dad's making a comeback, Luke's back in the public eye and one compromising photo is enough to ruin everything. To clean up his image, Luke has to find a nice, normal relationship and Oliver Blackwood is as nice and normal as they come. He's a barrister, an ethical vegetarian, and he's never inspired a moment of scandal in his life. In other words, perfect boyfriend material. Unfortunately, apart from being gay, single, and really, really in need of a date for a big event, Luke and Oliver have nothing in common. So they strike a deal to be publicity-friendly fake boyfriends until the dust has settled. Then they can go their separate ways and pretend it never happened. But the thing about fake dating is that it can feel a lot like real dating, and that's when you get used to someone. Start falling for them. Don't ever want to let them go. So, Mom, what did you think of boyfriend material? Ellen, I loved this book. Yeah, I think I'm going to, like, go so far as to give this one a really loved. And honestly, that feels good because it feels like it's been a while since... Yeah. I, like, really loved a book. I five-starred this one on Goodreads, and I don't usually give five stars. It's, yeah. It's hard to drag that out of me. And um, I loved it. I yeah. laughed out loud more in this book than I think I have in any other book I've read. Yeah. It was really funny. The yeah. banter was amazing. And you guys know how we love some good bants, as the as the Brits say. As the kids are saying these days. <laughs> Um, and this has banter in freaking spades and it's hilarious. The side characters, which we're going to talk about are hilarious. Um, well, just being in Luke's head, yeah. his, just his thought process is yeah. funny. I mean, it's just, I mean, was just a joy to read from beginning to end. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, the, the writing is really good. It's. The British writing, because it was really reminding me of my chiclet days of reading 
you know, Marion Keys and Sophie Kinsella and stuff. There's just something about British writing that has kind of a more, especially like British rom-com-y writing that has kind of a bouncy cadence and pacing to it that is just like so charming. And um, everyone in this felt like fully fleshed out human beings and you felt like you knew each person within like two lines of dialogue and I yeah I just really loved it and even some quibbles that I have that maybe I'll talk about but they're like <laughs> insignificant enough that I might not um well and I think a lot of it was not just the banter between the two main characters but his banter with his friends yeah his banter with Oliver's friends. I mean, yeah. all of it was just so fun. Even, you know, his interactions with Oliver's parents were like, I was just laughing out loud through yeah. most all of this book. And also, um, I I just really like the growth that both of them go through and um, kind of unexpected growth from, yeah. from Oliver. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, I just... I, I, I really loved it. I, it, yeah, like you said, it was just a joy to read and I laughed out loud. Yeah. More times than I can at least remember doing in a really long time. So, yeah. um, yeah. So good recommendation you guys. Cause I, I really did love it. So let's get talking about our characters. So what did you think of Luke as he's our, we're with Luke in his head the whole time kind of our main protagonist and our main hero. Um, what did you think of Luke as a character? Well, which was good, I think, because there was a bit of a plot twist, kind of, can we say, towards yeah. the end. And um, it, that would not have occurred or been done as well if we were had a dual POV. Yeah. So I liked being in his head. And plus, I said he's funny. And so the, his thoughts were funny, as you know, and his interactions with his people at work were funny. And I just... He was a hot mess. I mean, yeah. when we started this story, he was literally a hot mess. And um, and he even refers to himself he, often. I mean, yeah, he all. knows it. And that's why he even goes into this whole fake boyfriend thing is he's yeah. trying to, you know, clean himself up a bit in the public eye. And um, well, and he's a hot mess, but endearingly so. Yes. And because he's, and I think, not really his fault, hot mess. Like yeah. he was kind of driven into this kind of unfortunate a series of unfortunate events yeah and he uh there's a few listeners that compare this book to kind of feeling very bridget jones and i think in tone it feels a lot like bridget jones and then he as a character kind of is very bridget jones where just a girl in the city is <laughs> <laughs> kind of a hot mess and um and yeah i uh he, he, I think because he's self-aware, that makes him never, for me at least, virgin to unlikable. Yeah. And, um, and I really felt like the growth that you, you see was earned because you see how he gets to that place and by the end where he's kind of the healthier of them in some ways, you know, uh, in terms of his mindset and, you know, his relationship with his parents, which we'll get into. And um, so, yeah, so I just, I, I really liked watching his journey and find, and him kind of finding his way with the help of Oliver, but also kind of on his own. You know, he yeah. comes to a lot of, because he And comes, his friends and... Yeah. I mean... His mom and... But he definitely gets to a place where he's healthier he's treating people better and mm -hmm. and he feels better about himself I mean yeah um and you know I really felt for him with um his kind of trust issues that he has left over from this um ex-boyfriend who had kind of sold his life story to tabloids the tabloids and um when he's reading the article that you know, he kind of has this really awkward situation in the beginning at this party um, with this guy. And then the guy ends up writing an article about him. And he's kind of reacting to that. And he says, I'm this half-person wreckage of someone else's fame who will never have a normal life or a normal relationship. 
And, you know, that's how he's feeling. And then later he's talking to Bridget and he says, I feel like I've left the gas on. Like, I'm going to come home one day and my whole world will have burned down. And I just really felt... <laughs> I know. I uh, felt bad for him and that he's kind of dealing with all this and it kind of makes him feel incapable of being able to be loved and being able to be in a healthy, normal relationship. And it's because of nothing he'd done. He was born into this. His parents were both rock stars from yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of forced him to become tabloid fodder because he's the kid of celebrities. And have abandonment issues. Yeah, because and... yeah, his dad was a dick. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and just the whole thing just seems so surreal and weird and and that would just be a weird way to you know so everything he does is just played out in the tabloids and if he does something bad it's a thousand times worse because it's printed yeah. in the tabloids that way and if he does something good it's overlooked or well and read, listen, weird stuff read into it you and, can say what you want about american tabloids i've um watched enough reality television over there and seen enough tabloids that there's in the UK get freaking vicious and they, and I think because it's a smaller pond, they, um, they, they would kind of tack after this guy who is a aging rock star's son. Whereas I don't think we would care as much about, right. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I just really felt for him and, and yeah, you really just grow to love him because he's just so likable and he has some of the best lines in the whole book and <laughs> he does just his yeah well, just the, his jokes that he shares yeah. every day with his yeah. co-worker uh, and they're terrible jokes and his co-worker doesn't get them at all <laughs> and it's just funny him trying to explain these stupid jokes to his co-worker it's like when when we have my grandpa over here and like and then he can't hear the joke that we say, and so then we have to explain the joke. And it's like, you know what? You just ruined it by making us <laughs> Never explain mind. the joke. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, what did you think of Oliver as our other hero? I loved Oliver, and I, also, I, I really loved the whole twist at the end. Yeah. It, it would have been... Such a less... Which maybe it's not like we're talking like it's this big plot spoiler. It's not, twist. really. It's it just, not. He just seems like the stalwart, really, you know, upstanding, life is great, kind yeah. of, I've got all my ducks in a row kind of guy. And then as it turns out, as Luke becomes more stable, self-reliant, um, you find out Oliver has just all kinds of emotional baggage and yeah. he's the one that breaks down. And then, you know, so it's... But it added so much, so many layers to the book. I think it made it so much richer and more enjoyable to read. If yeah. he had just been the stalwart through the whole thing and, you know, Luke went through his thing and then he was, everything was great. It was fun to have both characters having this growing experience. Yeah. And to kind of have the takeaway from the book be that they both, you know, because he kept referring to Oliver as perfect. Oliver's perfect and, you know... He's the perfect boyfriend material and all this stuff. And that really starts to weigh on Oliver. And I think that's kind of why he freaks out there towards the end. Um, well, it had been like his problem through his whole life is trying to yeah. be perfect for everybody. Yeah. And so kind of the takeaway is um, nobody's perfect. And I don't expect you to be. But like we're perfect for each other in our imperfectness. And I thought that was sweet. Um, yes, I also loved Oliver. He's kind of like our grumpy hero alert a little bit because, um, and not even grumpy, I guess, but just, yeah, stalwart and kind of, I don't even want to say uptight, but, um, cause he does have moments where he kind of like surprises Luke and us by being not as uptight. But. Well, and he even says he was able to be that way because it was a fake relationship. And so he yeah. felt more relaxed and didn't feel like he had to perform to perfection all the time. Yeah. And and um, anyway, it was just so I, many layers to the story yeah. and, and the characters. I love Oliver and like Luke, I love flustered and embarrassed Oliver. Yes. Those were like my favorite <laughs> kind of cutest moments is when he's sending these like text like oh forget i said that oh don't read that <laughs> well uh, yeah luke even says he says i know he's got hang-ups because the way he texts he's obviously got some you know yeah 
Um, yeah, and uh, I love Luke teasing him about, like, the big words that he uses. I love the dick pics. Yeah, the dick pics. <laughs> um, and... Which we must say, he starts sending... Or Luke teases him about wanting a dick wanting pic. Wanting a dick pic. And he's like, there's no way I'm going to do that. So then he starts sending him pictures of... Famous Richards. Famous Richards. <laughs> like Richard Chamberlain and Richard, At- Richard Attenborough and Richard Armitage. Armitage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think we've sent that dick pic back yeah, and forth to each other. We have. But, um, dick gifts. And- <laughs> so he was... Anyway, I thought that was funny and charming. Yeah. And- they really... Um, Alexis Hall does a really good job of, um, they, their relationship feels, I mean, it's a fake relationship, but it feels very real. And, like, they have their little inside jokes that they're texting back and forth and, like, smiling to each, you know, themselves about and things like that. And they felt very much like an organic, real couple who, you know, kind of have these little their banter and their little things that they do together and I just thought they were really sweet. I thought they were sweet too. Um and I really like the moment where after dinner they go to dinner with uh Alex and Miffy. Um and Oliver kind of calls because Luke had been upset that he kind of felt left out of them talking about like Oxford and things like that. And so Luke kind of gets these little jabs in during the dinner. And Oliver kind of calls him out on, he's like, you were kind of teasing me a lot tonight. He's like, yeah, I I always do that. He's like, but it felt different tonight. And just that, I like that he called him out on that. And um, yeah, it's like. And it made Luke feel bad. Yeah. And he needed to because he was kind of being. Yeah. Awful. So I just, I loved Oliver. And yeah, we're going to talk about some of the conflict and where I was a little upset with Oliver. uh, But we'll get to that. Um, let's talk about the employment of the fake relationship trope here. What did you think of this kind of basic premise of... Well, honestly, and I don't think, I don't think it was ever really a fake relationship. Yeah, I loved it and loved that, like most fake relationship tropes, I was never buying it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, sometimes, like, they really dislike each other, but there's some reason that they have to fake a relationship. And this one was... They were obviously really into each other from the get-go. Yeah. And, um, but they were both the kind of person that I would never date that guy, which is kind of what it said in the, on the back of the book. Yeah. Um, but they both kind of, you know, cause Luke was like, he's hot, you know. Yeah. I, but they kind of had, had this. Little history. Little history where. Luke thought he had been rejected by Oliver when Oliver, it turns out Oliver's just like, no, you were just drunk and I didn't want to date rape you. <laughs> I didn't want to take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I felt like it was never really super fake. I yeah. Think th- I, but it was cute the way, even at the end, they're like, well, let's just do what we were doing when we were fake dating because that worked. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was going well. Um, yeah, and... It, I like, and I like not having all, I mean, it would be fun to have Oliver's POV sometimes, but I liked not having Oliver's POV in moments like that where he kind of reveals like, well, I've always kind of liked you, you know, yeah. and things like that. Um, I did really like, um, like right off the bat, Luke was like wanting to kiss him and wanting to have sex with him. Like, let's just have sex. And then, and Oliver's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we're not doing that. I liked... That Oliver kind of made him work for it. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it was more meaningful to both of them because it wasn't just, you know, a a quickie. Well, and especially for Luke, who had kind of had a history of losing himself a bit in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll aspect of his life. And um, so, yeah, so it it made it something that was kind of more real, I think, for Luke. Yeah. And, um, it, yeah, like, we're going to talk about the sex like we always do, but, um. (laughs) We won't let you down. But, um, it, it, yeah, I liked that it kind of made it more intimate for both of them. Um, okay, what did you think? Oh, I will also say, um, with the fake relationship kind of tied to that, he definitely has grounds to sue his employer because oh. I was like, oh my gosh, definitely. this conversation is an HR nightmare. But I did like that, 
you know, his boss was like, yeah, good go luck. Ahead, go ahead and sue us. We have no money whatsoever. <laughs> He's like, and you know more than anybody that we don't have any money. Um, anyway, okay, what did you think of kind of the subplot with Luke and his rock star father who is trying to reconnect with him? I actually, it was awful. His <laughs> yeah. father was an awful person. Yeah. Um, and first of all, even because his father told him he was he had cancer. Yes. And then his father kept bringing up, like, well, it might be the last time I get to see you, or it might be like, I mean, it was just those little digs all the time. I'm like, gosh, what a prick. And yeah. um, and then it turns out he didn't have cancer. No. And they don't, and they don't know if he knew the whole time that he didn't have cancer or, you know. But he had made arrangements to meet with Luke and then just didn't show up. Because and, he found out he didn't have cancer. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't have to waste my time with this anymore. And so he was a horrible, horrible person. But, um, I kind of like the way it played out because I like that this, I really liked that this story wasn't all happiness and sunshine at yeah. the end. I liked that that there was still, some of the stuff that was crappy was still crappy. And um, like his dad, for instance, and, you know, like with Oliver, that Oliver was kind of screwed up too and had to work through his stuff. So I, I really liked that this wasn't just... Like one of those romances where everything just ends and everything's peachy and everybody's happy. And yeah. I, I liked that. Yeah. Um, likewise. And the thing with his dad, yeah, it all kind of amounted to nothing. And so I kind of wondered in the end, like, why it was there. But it is like this kind of big turning point for for Luke and a source of growth for him and, you know, I like when he's talking to his mom and his mom is kind of telling him, like, yeah, he's skedaddled again. And she's like, but now you you did what you were supposed to do yeah. and you can hold your head up high. And, you know, he is still sad about it a little bit, but it's it's kind of a, like, yeah, you know what? I don't need him. And Well, it was kind of awesome, too, to see Oliver stand up to his dad. Yeah. Because Oliver kind of pulled out his lawyer-ness Card, yeah. and just was calling his dad on all the crap he was saying. And in a pleasant way or yeah. a professional way. Yeah, professional way is a good way to say it because he wasn't super nice about it. But, yeah. um, you know, just calling his dad on all his crap. And um, I liked that. And, and I think that Luke really, I think that was kind of almost a turning point for Luke when he realized Gosh, this guy was there for me yeah. through this. And just that I think Luke was able to get closure because obviously he has some daddy issues as anybody in his situation would. But, um, you know, that he is able to reflect on on whatever these little incidents with his dad are and say, you know what, I did. And that man is going to give me nothing of, you know, what a father should, so I just need to move on with my life yeah. kind of thing. And and he even says, you know, six months ago that I would have, this would have destroyed me, but now, you know, whatever, let him do him and yeah, I'm moving on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I really, and yeah, like you said, I appreciated about it that um, it's not our typical, everything's perfect and, you know, now I have this super tight relationship with this father this estranged father, it's, you know, no, he's still a dick bag <laughs> yeah. and, um, you know, I'm just going to move on with life because yeah. that's what he's you have to do sometimes. Still awful. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about the conflict and how I cried when Oliver left. Oh, gosh. I did. I, I like... Because it was out of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> it was... They had had this, like, really sweet night together and uh, Luke had just, like, hardcore stood up to his family for him and then and like Luke is feeling super positive and on cloud nine-ish about their relationship and then Oliver just bounces in the yeah. morning and I'm like Oliver no Oliver, what did you do? and it just really broke my heart because Luke's like begging him kind of and like saying like I wrote down this line. He says, "I know this because I do it all the time. You, you're, uh, you like me, and you're scared, and you've been through something, and it's shaking you up, and your first instinct is to run. But if I can work through that, then so can you, because you are way smarter and way less effed up than me." <laughs> and um, yeah, so just that whole scene, I was just like, "Oliver, no." Um, but yeah, 
And then, you know, Luke gets all grand gestury and it doesn't pan out. And so this is, these are the things, like we were saying, it doesn't all... It's not like your normal romance novel where everything yeah. is just, this grand gesture is going to be perfect. Yeah. And he goes to Northern England to, and he's not there. Yeah. And then he goes back home to his house and he bears his soul to him, tells yeah. him that he loves him. And, he, and Oliver's still like, nope, sorry. Yeah. And you're just like... Oh my god. <laughs> None of the the real romancy book things are working. Well, and that that scene where all his friends are in the car, that also really reminded me of Bridget Jones where all her friends are in the car watching them. And yeah, and so you're it's very akin to a rom-com scene, a very specific rom-com scene and it's still like oh, this is not ending how the rom-com <laughs> ended though. Um but I love you know, when, when Oliver shows up the next day and is like, well, I, he's like, did you mean what he said? What you said? And he's like, yes, I meant all of it. He's like, so you do think I have an eating disorder? <laughs> he's like, that better not be why he showed up. Well, I'm not a professional, but. <laughs> he's like, but you meant the other stuff too about loving me. And, and yeah, I just, um. Yeah, and like we've kind of already mentioned, I love that you you kind of go go the whole book thinking that it's going to be Luke and his kind of hot messedness that kind of gets them into a conflict and causes communication errors and they're going to have another argument through a bathroom door or whatever, but it's really Oliver who's the <laughs> catalyst for like the whole conflict and you come to find out you know, I think at the end of the book, we leave Luke in a healthier place than, than we Oliver. leave Oliver. <laughs> but hopefully, you know, there's a promise there that, you know, Luke, yeah. Luke maybe is going to help him through some of his... I, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because, um, I mean, like, you get... Oliver makes a comment about recognizing that he's got also some daddy issues <laughs> and mommy issues. And... um if if I so I mentioned some quibbles. The ending comes very abruptly. I do wish that you know, we love an epilogue around here. If we had had kind of more of a showing them in the future where kind of Oliver especially is in a better place and mentally and emotionally. Um I would have appreciated that a little bit, but um but that it's fine. I, I, I think it's a happy ever after, not even a happy for now. I think they're soulmates. <laughs> I'm Bridget telling um, them to. I did like, even though, you know, so he, so Luke goes to Oliver's house and he professes his love for him and mm -hmm. Oliver still turns him down. But I did like that Oliver had to show up on his doorstep Yeah. because Luke had shown up on his doorstep multiple times throughout yeah. the book, yeah. begging him to take him back. And, and so it kind it was, of had become a joke between them. Yeah. Like, and so it was kind of nice that Oliver had to show up on his doorstep yeah. and beg him to take him back. And um, yeah, it was sweet. And just the reversal of, of um, you know, situations there. Yeah. Um, okay, let's discuss side characters because they are plentiful and hilarious. I loved all the side characters of this. <laughs> so book. we have Alex Twaddle and Miffy. Alex Twaddle is my favorite side <laughs> character I think I've ever read. Yeah. He's such a ditch. <laughs> and just poor Luke trying to deal with this guy. And Luke is so freaking sarcastic. And then just trying, okay. I was a teacher for many years and I am very sarcastic. And one of my big quibbles of being a teacher is I had such great lines in my head, but I couldn't say them out loud because I would <laughs> destroy them. <laughs> inappropriate or like a 10 year old is just not going to get them. <laughs> or it would destroy, you know, their, their growth in education. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, so poor Luke having to restrain, he even says at one point in time that, you know, he had to hold in all his sarcasm and it nearly killed him. <laughs> and, um, just Alex was, so well written. Yeah. I don't know how to even explain it. Just everything out of his mouth was so stupid. <laughs> but endearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I And I love the line that Luke has where um, it's like they haven't gotten any sleep. And Oliver's like, well, you're not going to be conscious for work. He's like, have you, you've met Alex. Consciousness <laughs> is not a requirement at my office. No. <laughs> and then just dumb things he'd say like... 
uh, you know, he answered the phone weird in, in the <laughs> afternoon. And, and, and Luke is like, well, yesterday was Sunday. And he's like, oh, no wonder it was so quiet in the office. <laughs> yeah, there was, Alex was There was fantastic. tons of stuff like that. And yeah. it was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, Alex Twaddle and Miffy, whose name is Clara for some reason. <laughs> it looks like they're the same number of, <laughs> of syllables. He's like, never mind. And they're just <laughs> super posh and waspy. And um, yeah, so they're great. Reese and his Welshness. <laughs> and the, like, probably one of my biggest LOLs of the book was... <laughs> Reese and Alex and him trying to do the joke about the mini in two or two, two whales, whales in a to, mini in a mini. No, what was it? What, how do you get two, two whales, whales in a mini? Yeah, two whales in a mini. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, you take the M four, <laughs> but if you want to go north, you take the M forty. You really whatever. have to read it to appreciate it because we're yeah. messing it all up. <laughs> but it's really funny. <laughs> yeah. That just." Any of the exchanges at his office, I was like, yes, here comes a joke. I love it. Um, uh, Bridget was great in all of her work emergencies and her wanting to set up the only two gay people she knew. And um, James, the James Royce Royces and his mom and Judy and loving Drag Race. You know I was here for that. Because <laughs> I got all the references and I was like... Yes, Yaro Sophia did make a mess of herself. Um, all that stuff. I was loving it. Priya was hilarious. Um, all of her straight people friends. And I loved the whole exchange about when we're at a straight people friends party, maybe don't mention the fact that, they're- <laughs> that it's a straight people's party. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, like, even the... Durham hotel receptionist gets some good jabs. Oh, in that there. was funny. Just like, that's what I mean. Like every character is, you know, they've all got their little snark. Yep, five minutes in in the limelight. It's it was, great. Well, even like the quirky people he meets at the bug party, beetle party, yeah, and um, you know, just people that you hate, people that you love, people that yeah. I mean, it's just, it was just so much fun to read. Yeah. Basically, the only person Alexis Hall didn't let be funny was his dickish dad. And that was great because it was, was like, I'm surrounded by all of these entertaining characters. And then you stand out like a sore thumb for just being a pain <laughs> in the ass. Um, okay. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Not you and me. Uh, that's just how the song goes. I was like, one of my favorite lines of the book was, that this sounds weird out of context, but F your mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like we always say, I like when a sex scene is integral to their relationship growth and development, and this really was. And I... I didn't mind the fade to black here because I think it kind of had been set up by Oliver's stance on it being personal that it kind of felt more personal to not well, get into Well, there's even a, a paragraph in the yeah. book. I wrote down this line where he says, it's not the sort of thing you talk about, okay? It was for us and it was everything. Yeah. And that was like a line where it's... Yeah, I think because it had been so clearly established between, with Oliver especially, but, and then at that point, Luke as well, that it was an intimate thing between them, that it felt right to not get into the nitty gritty of it all. But it still was like romantic and sweet, and they talk about, you know gazing into each other's eyes and saying really sweet little nothings and, and all that you know stuff. how he loved the feel of him running his hand down his spine or whatever yeah. you know but all that all the mushy stuff that we love yeah yeah and so i thought it was handled really well and still yeah it, it felt it felt very romantic the way it was described and i i i really liked it and thought it was fitting with the rest of the book for me agree um Okay, what is your swooniest moment? Uh, I have quite a few. I was so. going to say, this was, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, okay, up until a certain point, pretty much any time Oliver interacted with him, he was so sweet and yeah. so protective and, you know, putting his arm around him and, you know, when the paparazzi are flashing pictures, putting his arm yeah. around him because Luke was kind of freaking out. And um, there were just so many times that 
Okay, yeah. I think I have my favorite. Okay, you go with yours. And then I'll mention my honorable mentions. Okay. <laughs> but I'll let you pick yours first. But I think mine is, um, I'm going to call it the V-cut scene, where um, Luke gets to see Oliver's V, you know, aforementioned V-cut um, for the first time, and he's kind of ogling him and all this stuff. And, um, and then Oliver's like, they just kind of tell each other how they're attracted to each other, and... Um, Oliver tells him that he's beautiful and all this stuff. And I, I just thought that scene was really sweet the way it played out. And it was also funny because he kept talking about the beat cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, or when they were out in the fields and he was walking over the stile and he had yeah. his foot up and uh, Luke kept checking out his package. <laughs> he's like, my eyes are up here, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a, well, and I liked later in reference to the V cut later when, um, they're eating the vegan brownie, and he's like, you can have some vegan brownie. He's like, and Oliver's kind of hesitating, and he says, well, it takes work to get you the V-cut that I know you admire so much. He's like, so I'm trying to maintain this. He's like, eat the freaking brownie. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, there were so many. I loved... I loved I, I loved him standing up to his parents. Yeah, I know, loved um, Luke just both of them standing up to each other's parents. Right, not, right, yeah, in different ways, but yeah, because their parents had different issues. But because uh, the thing with because Luke was really worried because Oliver didn't really see his parents as a problem. Yeah, and. So for Luke to stand up to his parents, it's not like Oliver was feeling beaten down. I mean, he was feeling beaten down, but. He thought that's just the way, yeah. you know, parents were with their kids or good parents were with. Anyway, it was messed up. But um, uh, and Luke's just like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> My favorite part of that, that tirade, he goes through this whole like rampage at Oliver's parents. And then he's like, so um, go F yourself. Go F yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just love that um, yeah, I had that as one of my honorable mentions. Um, I really like the scene of them breaking up through a bathroom door and then getting back together through a bathroom door. And I love when they're later, like, talking to each other and getting into real feelings territory. Yeah, like, Do you need and, to get in the bathroom? And Oliver's like, no, Luke says, um, can I go back to the bathroom? He's like, no, <laughs> you don't need to go back to the bathroom. <laughs> Um, I also really like him calling Luke Luchin and, and when he's, when he's gonna, if you like Luke, I'll call you Luke. He's like, no, it's okay. You can call me Luke. <laughs> Just cause he likes the way he, he says, says it. it. <laughs> um, uh, that was cute. Yeah. They had a lot. They had a lot of um, good swoony moments. Here's an additional question. We've kind of already maybe talked about, about it, but what was your funniest LOL? Oh, there were so many. There I mean, so we already many. talked about a lot of them. Yeah. Um, the, all the Alex Twaddle jokes are All the sure. jokes to Alex are hilarious. All the dick pics are hilarious. All the sex tape titles. Yeah, the sex tape titles were funny. <laughs> the, um, I did love the line, and I don't know why this sticks out in my brain, because it was in the midst of so many other great lines, but where he's talking to Bridget, I think it was the first time they broke up that Oliver, and so he calls Bridget in the middle of the night, and he's like, mm-hmm. I think I really screwed up. I made him. It was when they broke up through the bathroom door. And, um... <clears throat> And she, so she's telling me, well, you need to go over there. You need to, and he's like, she said, well, what do you have to lose? And he says, well, my dignity, my self-respect. And she says, come on, you don't have any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't stress how many, like, great quippy lines are in this book. There are so many. And, yeah, like, and from every character, like, yeah. every character gets Even when he goes lines. and meets Oliver's friends, and they're all really funny. Yeah. And banter. Straight people can be funny too. Who knew? Can they? <laughs> Not these straight people. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there was. It was just a romp. Yes, it really, really was, and I just found it like an utter delight to read. Like yes. from. I don't want to oversell it. Yeah, and if I if I were as much fun as it was. Sometimes there would be moments where I'm like, wow, we've been talking about this for a long time. There would just be um, some pace, like, where there's a lot of time spent on, a f- even if it's funny, There, it's just like, wow, there's we've been focusing on this segment for a long time. So there was a couple, like, moments of pacing that I had. 
I didn't even notice that, but you're you're the writer. I'm not. Um, (laughs) uh, Anyway, yes. But, I mean, that is to say, like, I didn't even care because I, they were usually still in Well, and there was just, like, LOLs throughout the entire book. Yeah. I mean, to the point where my husband's like, what is so funny? And I was like, you just want to appreciate it, honey. Never mind. You just just wouldn't understand. You don't understand me and my literature. (laughs) (laughs) Um... No, but yeah, I lo- I loved it. Um, we're going to hear from some of you on how you felt about it, but we are going to take a little break. Um, and when we come back, yeah, we'll hear, we'll hear from some of you. Hi, I'm Elle Penelope, and I'm an author of epic fantasy and paranormal romance, and also the host of My Imaginary Friends, which is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. On my show, you'll get a weekly look behind the scenes of an author navigating the publishing world, as well as thoughts and tips on creativity, inspiration, writing routines, and more. So if you're an established or an aspiring writer, or a reader who always wanted a peek into an author's life, you can find me at myimaginaryfriendsshow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for a break. It's time for a break. The break is when we do the news and mail. What do we do during the break? News and mail. <laughs> I'm going to get my, like, vaudevillian <laughs> voice on. Okay. Um, just a couple of items of business. First, I wanted to just remind everybody that two weeks from the release of this episode, we are doing releasing our free-for-all episode which last time we had everybody submit their audio recordings of their book reports and it went swimmingly and we would love this one to also go swimmingly. And um, I think it's just a much more fun concept when more and more of you participate. So start getting those book reports in if you have a book that you would like to talk about. And everyone get your TBRs ready to add many books to it. Because it was a TBR... Uh, exceder. That's not a phrase that I was trying to say, but the word was not coming to me. Um, but just so that you don't, I don't want to say step on our toes, but read something that we're going to be talking about. Tell them our, our, our... Yes. So we have <laughs> our... That's my segue, Helen. <laughs> wow. It's like we're professionals. Yes. <laughs> almost. Uh, almost. Uh, we can pretend to be professionals sometimes. Um, we... Also, this week came out with our winter 2020-2021. Can you believe that we're almost to 2021? It's nuts burgers. And it's going to be so much better than 2020. Oh, so that's <laughs> what I've heard. That's what everybody keeps saying. I don't believe it, but... I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, exactly. It could be a thousand times worse, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, God forbid. Okay, uh, so... Our winter reading list is out, and we're super excited. This one is completely voted on by you guys, and um, I'm just excited to to read these books with you. First of all, there's three books on here that I've already read, so that makes my life easier, and we like that. Uh, So here we go. On December 7th, we are going to read In a Holidays by Christina Lauren, and listener Sarah won the option to come on the show, and she is going to be reading that book and talking about that with us. So we're excited to have Sarah join us. Um, Another Sarah. A different Sarah, because we we have Sarah. We have many Sarahs. We had a Sarah last month, or last time, so... Um, On December 14th, we've usually done the the end-of-the-year awards, And um, those are always fun, and so we thought we'd make it even more fun this year and do it as a Facebook Live event that we're going to be broadcasting on the Facebook group. So if you want to be watching that live with us, go and join the Facebook group if you are not already signed up. I know a lot of you are. Most of you are already, but... Um, and then I'll also release the audio of it on the podcast feed as well. I'm a little self-conscious because everyone's going to see my white hair. Oh, yeah. Mom's gone full... Gray or white is more appropriate. Yeah. It's pretty white. Yeah. Um, on Jan- So then we're going to take a little break for the holidays. Um, rest our weary bones. and Get ready to watch Bridgerton's on Christmas Get ready Day. to just watch Bridgerton's over and over <laughs> and over again. Um, yeah, you'll be hearing from us around that time, but we're just going to take a break from doing the podcast. 
And then on January 4th, we're going to come back uh, in the new year with first The Widow of Rose House by Diana Biller, which both of us have read. And, and enjoyed. And, and really enjoyed. Yeah. So we're excited to talk about that. On January 11th, we're going to read Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade, which I've heard great things about. On January 18th, we're going to read Kiss My Putt by Tara Sevick, um, which I have read. Mom has not. You told me I couldn't. Wasn't that when you told me I couldn't? Uh, no, you, well, eh, eh. you're going to read it, so. <laughs> uh, hey And then on January 25th, we are going to read Riley Thorne and the Dead Guy Next Door by Lucy Score, which we have both read and immensely loved, so we're excited to talk about that in an official capacity. We're giving away all of our feels for books. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, you guys are going to have no reason to listen. Um, on February 1st, new to us, we're going to be reading The Tourist Attraction by Sarah Morgan Thaler. On February 8th, we are going to read One to Watch by Kate Stamen London, which was actually featured a couple times in our last free-for-all. Yes. So that just shows you what kind of tr- tricks and treasures you can get from, uh, the free-for-all episode. And then on February 15th, we are going to read Her Night with the Duke by Diana Quincy. And then finally, on February 22nd, we are going to have another free-for-all where we read whatever we want and you guys read whatever you want and send in your thoughts on that book. Um, So yeah, so there's another lineup in the bag and we're excited to dive in and excited to have a little break and all of that good stuff. And that does it for this break segment. So I'll probably be using our break to finish my stupid reading challenge. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm close. I think I might do a little Bridgerton reread. I might try and get that in. I gotta get twelve books in. Can I fit twelve books in? By I only have to read seven more books. Oh my gosh, I hate you so much. <laughs> um I don't know how that happened. I don't either. You were way behind me, and then you just, like, (laughs) busted past me. Um, Yeah, that's how life goes. Anyway, uh, we'll see you for the next break segment, and we'll see you in the winter to read all of those books with us. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Yes. Bye. Welcome back. So now we get the utter pleasure of hearing from all of you on what you thought of boyfriend material. I think we made it pretty clear that we are fans. Um, So let's hear from some of you on if you are also fans or if you feel a little bit more ambivalent. First, we have an audio recording from Sarah who said she just had too many thoughts that she needed to just record it on audio, which I get. That's why I do a podcast about books, because I have a lot of (laughs) thoughts and feelings. Um, So here's Sarah. Hi, No Yomos. It's Sarah. I didn't know anything about this book going in, and I was utterly delighted from the first chapter. Fake dating, witty banter, a supporting cast of quirky friends and family, two flawed yet lovable grumpy MCs, drag race references. This book has it all. It feels like it was written specifically for me. This book is hilarious. Like proper laughing out loud funny. I scared my poor dog with my outbursts. Sorry, Finn. The comedy is snarky and a bit zany without feeling forced or overdone. It balances out with the heavier topics of depression and family dynamics. Humor to help soften the feels. Uh, It was lovely to see both Luke and Oliver's characters grow over the course of the book. I also appreciate that the family relationships were not exactly tied up neatly with a bow, but remain complicated and more true to life. You can't change people, only your reactions to them. I love this book so much. It's probably my favorite read of the year. I will be purchasing a physical copy as I know it will be a future comfort read for sure. Five stars. All the stars. Love, 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 love. (laughs) Thank you for that, Sarah. I think that... We agree. Yeah, that's (laughs) basically a good sum up of of my thoughts and feelings as well. And Sarah and I have often um, shared our our general mutual admiration for Drag Race. So um, I knew that that would be a a sticking point for Sarah. Um, 
And then Catherine, she wrote in and said, I was so delighted by Luke and his humor that it didn't bother me that he was kind of miserable and made bad decisions. Apparently, give me a funny voice and I'll follow the character anywhere. All of the friends from both groups were hilarious and I liked the detail of the WhatsApp group changing its name all the time, though not everything about Bridget added up. Wouldn't Luke have already met her other friends at the same occasions he met Oliver? Uh, why does she say she only has two gay friends when she's the token straight girl in her other group? And unless Tom is just like Oliver, does he not have other gay friends as well? I think it's that they're his, they're Bridget's only single gay friends. Because the James yeah. Royce Royces are obviously together. Pre is in a relationship, etc. Um, she says, I do like her panic and sense of urgency in a super slow industry that doesn't have any real emergencies. I think that's hilarious, and we've all been there or know someone who has. Overall, a huge win for me. This book reminds me of You Deserve Each Other. Messy characters might not be for everyone, but if you like the humor slash voice, it's so lovable and fun. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison because, yeah, it's, it's, um, they're both, they're all four kind of messes in their own way, but the tone and the voice is so fun that, like, you're kind of yeah. willing to go along for the ride still, I guess, is a way of saying it. Um, and I agree with both Catherine and Sarah that just the voice, like, from jump, I was like, I mean, I highlighted the first line because it was funny. And it was about, like, when you go to a costume party, you either are a dick for trying too hard or a dick for not trying <laughs> not hard, hard enough. enough. <laughs> It's hard to find that balance, and I thought that was funny. Um, Kelsey says, I freaking loved this book. I was sad it ended and wanted more. I hope they get another book continuing their story. That would be interesting. I mean, I would just like to spend more time with this whole cast of characters. Um, but I don't know that I need much more in terms of, like, making sure that they're good, that I guess. They're... It I, I would definitely read more books by this author. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of our Deanna's, I think we've got a couple, uh, she said, wasn't a love, but a solid like. I thought the characters were messy and didn't really act their age, but I liked them together. I also think the book felt too long. This is saying something because Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston is the same length and I wanted more from it. You know, I just... I, I, you know, like, I did mention some, some pacing issues, and so I guess maybe I can sort of get that. Um, and, you know, didn't really act their age. I think Oliver did, except for that one instance. Um, and I think with Luke, he's kind of just in a little bit of a arrested development, you know, and, um, <laughs> just, I think that's just Luke's personality. Yeah. <laughs> um... Natalie says, from the first page of this book, I was delighted. The tone and each character's voice felt so distinct and specific, and I think that is why a lot of the humor really landed for me. Yes, Luke and Oliver had issues, but their journey throughout the book was about working through those issues, and they did it. This book had so many things I like. Hilarious side characters, crackling dialogue, and a lot of heart. I loved it. Yes, I yes. agree with all those things. Cassie says, this book was a like, but not a love for me. I really liked Oliver and his storyline. I liked the moments between Oliver and Luke when they started to feel things for each other, but I disliked Luke and the side characters. I almost DNF'd this book at the beginning because of Luke, but right when I was about to stop reading, Oliver was introduced and he hooked me. The humor wasn't my brand of humor and I didn't connect with it. My biggest complaint though is the fade to black love scenes. Oliver made such a big deal about wanting sex to have meaning, and when Oliver and Luke finally got to the point of being intimate, Luke started to feel the gravity of having a meaningful, intimate moment with someone he cared about versus the standard hookup he was used to, and then it faded to black. This was a missed opportunity. Um, so I already talked about this and how I think I disagree, but, you know, Cassie, that's what makes the world go around, is yeah. differing opinions. Um... And I can see, like, if this is not your brand of humor, like, this book is all this brand of humor. So if that is not landing for you, I can see how this book would... But this is totally us, by yeah. the way. <laughs> totally sarcastic and... Yeah. And somewhat Britishy, and... We love puns and stupid yeah. jokes and... Yep. All that. But, yeah, I can definitely see if 
that is not your cup of tea, that um, it, it just wouldn't work for you. Um, and I guess I, I can see what you mean with the, the fade to black, but it's kind of like I said, I thought it worked well that they've kind of built up this thing about it being an intimate thing for them and then to have that be actually intimate, intimate. to the characters as well. We, even within the narration, I thought was kind of a nice touch. I agree. Um, Jen says, I loved this book. The audiobook, which is on Hoopla, is amazing. The narrator does great accents and voices. This is one of my favorite books this year. I absolutely fell in love with Luke and Oliver. Such an amazing odd couple. I loved seeing how Oliver's belief in Luke made Luke try to improve himself. I loved all the side characters. They were all so much fun. The British wit and humor jumps off the page. My only complaint with this book is that it ends so abruptly. An epilogue would have been nice. Um, I kind of mentioned that I agree with that. I think, I just for me, I would have liked to have known that Oliver was in a better place. Because <laughs> yeah. we kind of leave him somewhat in limbo. Yeah. Um, so, and I love Oliver. So I just want to make sure he's okay. Um, Jess says, I loved this book so much. I listened to the audiobook and the narrator was absolutely amazing. This would be a fun it would be. listen, I bet. Um, the narrator was excellent at creating a different voice and personality for each of the characters, especially Luke and Oliver. That would be a lot of characters to make. <laughs> yeah, distinct. But at least there's enough accents over there that oh my you gosh. can add. <laughs> for such a small country, they've got a different accent for like every other block. Yeah, it's crazy. Um... Okay, uh, he and he really brought the story to life. The romance itself was well-developed, and the, the story had a very British sense of humor that I adored, and Luke and Oliver had depth and real problems. I loved the quote-unquote dick pics that Luke and Oliver helped each other out, and, um, and that they both grew and developed as characters, and that Luke and Oliver each stood up for one another at key moments. Luke and Oliver are relatable, endearing characters that you can't help but root for. I liked that things with Luke's dad didn't wrap up with a neat little bow that seemed very realistic to me. And so much of the book I could totally see as a rom-com movie a la Bridget Jones, Notting Hill, etc. The scene near the end where Luke and his friends pile into the truck to drive to Durham and back is straight out of a movie. My one issue, I would have loved an epilogue with a peek into Luke and Oliver's future, but still just an absolute delight. Yeah. I agree. totally agree with... With all that. Yeah. I mentioned a lot of that. <laughs> so, so Jess, you, me, same. Um, Lori says, I adored this... I adored so much about this book. The humor and snark were perfectly Britishly dry. I don't know if Britishly is a word, but I, I love it. Um, there were a lot of those kind of words in the book. Yeah. I made true. up a lot of words. Um, Luke was such a mess when things start out, but he had such a satisfying journey. When he made positive choices along the way, you couldn't help but feel proud of him. <laughs> it's true. And Oliver. Precise, reserved, best-intentioned Oliver. He was so good to and for Luke, and he seemed to have it all together. I was actually a little shocked when he was the one responsible for sabotaging the relationship. But watching Luke truly show up was so gratifying. The friend groups were superb. The running jokes at Luke's office with his inept co-workers were hilarious. And Luke's fantastically French mom was a delightful sage. While his disappointment of a father and Oliver's judgy, condescending parents were all horrible. I listened to the audio and the narrator was brilliant. Dialects and accents and character distinction were all perfectly on point. That's good to know. I'll have to listen to this book. Yeah, because, I mean... Even just in the future, when I want a book just to kind of throw on, this or would be... Or a road trip. Yeah, this would be a good one. Um, love it, Lori. Totally agree with everything. Um, other Deanna says, I couldn't get into this one, but I'm going to give it another shot. Right book, wrong time. I think that's the motto of 2020. <laughs> I think there's just, you know, timing is not always great in 2020 with our books. Um... Lori says, I really, another Lori, uh, I really liked this one. The characters are so fully developed and were each very relatable with their quirks and flaws. I loved the banter and I'm a sucker for anything British. So that definitely helped. Yes, I am also. Talk to mom about how I watch random British game shows on YouTube. 
she gets bored and she'll just go on YouTube and watch weirdo British game shows, like literally game shows. Yeah, they're great. We, Would I lie to you? Eight out of ten cats does countdown. They're great. It's like comedians. Well, they have British comedians on like as. Yeah, they're British panel shows. They're great. If you ever need a pick me up, I high and especially if you like this book, Would I Lie to You is fantastic. Eight out of ten cats is also great, but I prefer Would I Lie to You. So there you go. Um, Clara Miffy, we'll call her. Um, <laughs> because. Just because. Um, Clara says, I read this one a while ago and can't remember a lot of detail, but I remember that I liked it a lot. Sometimes it felt a little drawn out and not much happened. I think that's kind of what I was referring to. There's a couple moments where I felt that, but I was still enjoying myself enough that I, I let it slide. Um, Sarah, who will be joining us for In a Holidays. Yeah. Um, said, I loved this book. I read this a couple of months ago, so my memory is a bit murky. I really liked the snarky banter to hide the pain of their respective upbringings. I really see this as a long-term HEA, but I would have liked to see them putting in the work. Maybe an epilogue where they were meeting for brunch after therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that, because they both could probably use that, I think. They both kind of have issues. Yeah, that need to maybe be discussed with the professional. Um, Jessica said, I really loved this book. I think that the author did a phenomenal job capturing the emotional stumbling blocks both of these characters for a face that stood in the way of them being in successful relationships. Luke was so broken and I love a broken hero. Oliver was a cinnamon roll most of the time and I was there for it. I loved Luke's journey and I loved how you could see that Oliver had some growth to do. But now Luke is going to be able to help him do that work. I was glad that all the conflict wasn't Luke messing up and Oliver being the good guy always. Yes, totally agree. That's what we said. I would have been mad if Oliver hadn't needed to grovel at least once. I think the author was able to supercharge this fake relationship trope with some slow burny elements and a little bit of angst. So many accidental touches and moments that were the literary equivalent of the hand flex. (laughs) It needs to be, like, trademarked. Um, I thought it was funny, too, and I loved all the friends. The two James Royce Royces cracked me up, and even though it truly didn't matter at all, I wanted a way to tell them apart. But you know the author did that on purpose to drive us crazy. Long story short, this was a five-star for me. My only complaint is that I wanted an epilogue to bring some things full circle, like see them both in therapy would have been good, and Oliver wasn't around when his stupid dad flaked out again. That's true. I wish we could have heard what Oliver, you know... Would have said to Luke about... Yeah. And um, I think Luke was in a good good space with it, but um, just, you know, because Oliver had been there for so much of that journey with his dad that it would have been nice to hear his take on it. Um, yes. Uh, Lauren says, My heart goes out to these two men with some serious issues. So relatable and likable. Um, then she added, she's still reading, but Luke's growth through the book is absolutely perfect. It feels like Darthy, Darcy's growth in 99% mine. That's a good, interesting yeah. comparison. Kind of both somewhat hot messes that <laughs> find their, their way back. Yes. Um, Elizabeth said, reading this book was like watching all my favorite Richard Curtis movies back to back. Um, that's also a good comparison. Um, and Elizabeth is a movie expert. Uh, she says, bumbling, insecure hero, quirky cast of office mates slash friends, smart humor, ridiculously swoony moments. I loved every page of it, which is good because I had to read it for two book clubs this week. Um, I think I know which of those book clubs Elizabeth is referring to. Um, Raquel said, I loved this book in part because it gave me massive Bridget Jones vibes. And in my mind, Oliver was pretty much Mark Darcy. That's also a good comparison. The whole book was a swoon fest, even though at the beginning Luke was a bit insufferable. I loved how Oliver called him Luchin instead of, uh, Luke. It felt so bloody romantic to me. I will say the book felt unnecessarily long at times, and yet the conflict resolution was rushed. In my opinion, I in my opinion, I did really like that it was Oliver who freaked out and not Luke. That was a surprising turn of events. I agree with everyone who said they would have liked an epilogue. I'd certainly read a sequel to check on these two. Um, and then finally, Jessica, another Jessica, said, "I loved this book. The secondary characters were delightful." 
And truth. that is the truth. Um, yeah, so you guys had some great insight and kind of, I'm glad that this one seems to have been like a win for yeah. everybody. Um, for almost everybody. Yeah, for almost everybody. Um, and I'm, you know, this was, this was mom's first male meal. It was. So I'm glad it went over as well as it did. <laughs> it did. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I think it helped that this one was just very sweet, I thought, and it had all of the elements that we love in any romance that just happened to be with two guys. And, um, I, yeah, it didn't, I was fine. I was on board the whole time. And it was mainly because it was just so damn enjoyable. It was a fun, fun read. Yeah. Um, so those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall. Definitely a win, I think, in the win column. Has he written any other books? Um, yes. It, and he kind of seems to, like, flit between a lot of subgenres, and they mainly all seem to be kind of queer romances. Um, so, yeah. I'll have to kind of see if there's any that stand out. Um... We would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is Not Your Mom's Facebook group, Goodreads group, our Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Not Your Mom's Rom, our subreddit, Not Your Mom's subreddit, or you can email us at notyourmomsromancebookclub at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like just a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On November 23rd, we are chatting about Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. Um, remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show. And honestly, we just love to read them. It's true. It's true. Um, all right. Thanks, Mom. You're so welcome, Ellen. Uh, and I'll see you next time. Yes, you will. Probably before Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.